Hey there, folks. So tonight I am here just kind of being a disobedient woman, you know, because that's what they claim I am. So we got to own that sometimes. And I'm being joined by a friend of mine, Jay. Say hi, Jay. Hello. So who is Jay? Tell me about yourself. Well, that's a great question. Um, I feel like, first of all, we are honoring our, our foremothers here with our stiffened <laughs> bitch uh, in the tradition of Amish and Mennonite women, you know, doing our our crafts and just sharing some thoughts. Uh, the actually, yes. I, so I was raised Mennonite, liberal Mennonite. Um, and on my left, you can see a little bit of a quilt block that my grandmother would have done at that point in the nursing home in a Mennonite nursing home where they all like sat around a, uh, a big quilt at the nursing home and, and would like uh -huh. stitch these quilts and they raised tons of money and probably still does for the uh, nursing home. Cause those quilts go for so much. You know how people like to pay for an Amish or Mennonite made quilt. Oh yeah. You can easily get a couple thousand for a quilt. Yeah. So well, first to finish answering who I am, uh, Jay Yoder, raised liberal Mennonite in Archibald, Ohio, little uh, town in Northwest Ohio. Um, it, queer, very queer. I use they, them pronouns and generally call myself a genderqueer woman because um, I don't think you can, I don't think I can divorce woman fully from my identity as a, the way I look and the way the world works. Um and I work in nonprofits, in peacemaking, in social justice. I've worked in mental health. I've worked around the world and just on a, a variety of justice causes. And then on my other side, oh, I'm going the wrong way, is this uh, lovely locally painted painting of like a leather butch lesbian woman. So just, you know, trying to represent all of it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So that's who I am. And and I have thought, I just have to add, I've always been like, I should like learn to quilt and just sell quilts under the name like Jennifer did you Yoder. See... <laughs> <laughs> did you see the the Lone Star quilt I made last year? No. Did you sell it for five thousand dollars? No, actually it's sitting on my bed. Let me see oh, if I can I find your that. picture. I'll show I did, you. Was it quilt. fun? Have you like do you enjoy quilting now? Let me let me tell you a story here. Okay. Okay. Gather around. It's story time. So one of the things that I do that embraces my heritage is I create clothing, like like original, like created by me clothing. Yes. Okay. Um, so that's that's one of the things that I do. I love um, that. One of the other things that I do sometimes is I remake things in a different way, in a slightly different way that maybe um doesn't exactly um look the way that everybody thinks it should look if that makes sense but it here does. um i'm 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 just going to go ahead and mm, let's see i found the picture of the quilt one picture so i'm, I'm gonna show you that in a minute but anyways i do not hand quilt quilts okay all right <laughs> I know how to do it. I mean, 
I guess well, technically... then you're doing it the wrong way. <laughs> just well, what can I say? I'm disobedient after all. You know, they've been saying that for like, you know, so many years. I can't even count. That's been my whole freaking life. So what am I supposed to say? I mean, should I just go ahead? Well, one and... of my grandmothers like quilted her whole life and is very good at it. And my other grandmother, um, and they both passed away within the last year, year and a half. So one of them quilted her whole life and the other one like learned how to quilt when she was older through like a, like a, a block of the month, you know, like they'd send her a thing once a month and she learned to quilt that way. So I suppose I can still learn. Oh, wow. Wow. Just tea delivery just... in case we need to spill any tea. Well, we might need to <laughs> spill some tea because, you right. know, have you, you know, heard? Of people, Hank? <laughs> Hank's my off camera. There we go. Hi. That's Hank. That's who I'm making this blanket for Hank. He's my sweet baker boy. That's um, fantastic. He, him, they, them pronouns. We'll go to bed. Uh-oh. So, anyways. He's going to bed already? Yeah, because Baker Boy. Uh, 4 a.m. tomorrow. So, he he's working like a farm child. Yes. However... He does get to like get off work in the afternoon and go to bed as opposed to, you know, work a 20 hour day. <laughs> I mean, but if you're working for like nonprofits and advocacy agencies, isn't it like, isn't it a common conception that like we get paid like tons of money and we're rich and <laughs> we like, we like, we like have like the money. <laughs> I, if, if you find that, if someone was hiding them from us this whole time, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> I mean, me too, Jay. Me too. Here. It is funny when people, like, look, I think people should make lots of money. I do a lot of the fundraising for Into Account. I'm trying real hard to raise us enough money that we do make buckets of money. But uh, that is not generally the case. And it is not at the moment. Yeah, it's kind of tough. See, like, here's the thing. So <gasps> That's beautiful. That's my quilt. Okay? Yeah. So, I love that quilt. And going back to the whole, I don't quilt, right? So, yeah. I, have you ever seen the knotted quilts? Yeah, that was, um, my one of my grandmas made one for my, like, 16th birthday. See, I, I do the knotted quilts. Okay. That is that is as far as I will go with the quilting. Yeah. I am not freaking sitting there in hand stitching, um, eight to eleven stitches per per inch. No. Yeah. You can kind of like go over there with that because I'm not doing that. Well, that's why you can't sell your quilts for five thousand dollars. Darn it, though! I could really use five thousand dollars. Also, like I love the idea of a. Like a quilting, you know, like a just a bunch of radical queers sitting around a 
quilt frame, you know, just like <laughs> shooting the shit, okay. making some revolutionary so, plans. So here's the question. Was there a lot of gossip passed around at the quilting circle? Yes, but I feel like it's that like indirect like well you know <laughs> she just All hasn't right. been herself lately do you know what I mean like well you know what there's a, a ex Mennonite man there's just something going on with him mm-hmm. 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 he's just been acting kind of wild have I you just, heard about it? I just wouldn't let my kids play over there, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, you know, we should all pray for him. We should, yes. Don't Absolutely. forget on, to help me. Put him on my prayer list. Yes. <laughs> That's not, our gossip is much more fun, I feel like, because it's just... The Much more fun. realities we're living with and then strategic planning around it. Yes, yes. Our gossip is so much more fun, I think. I'm just not cool with the whole like, okay, so the vagueness, the yes. vagueness, yeah, the veiled, the veiled way. Yes. It, it's like and so the, like, significant looks. Oh god. There's actually so I one of the um things I do for my mental health is read uh, there's this meditations book meditations on codependency and it's melody deity. And she just writes little things about like, especially it, honestly, it's especially for if people were raised in, in Christian contexts and we have like shame and control at sort of the center of some of our ways of living. Um, and one of, one of the ones from a couple days ago that's my favorite every year when I come to it is direct people are safe people because you can trust them to tell the truth. And it's like indirect people's truths will come out. They'll just come out sideways and confusing and hurtfully. And, you know, and every time I'm like, Oh God, yes. Direct people are safe. Like it just feels so calming. Uh huh. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, you want to say hi, Slew? Hi, Slew. So glad you're here. Hello. And we're also joined by Jacob. Hi, Jacob. Hi, Jacob. And an Angela. Hi, Angela. Woo, won't be here long. Well, I don't know. We're just going to have a little bit of a, a stitching session. Yeah, you, know? you can probably come back and watch it later, right? Oh, yes. You can come back and watch it later. Or you'll be able to download the audio whenever I get it uploaded. And Donna from New Jersey. Hi, Donna. Welcome. If you're unfamiliar with us, you're about to learn a whole lot. Um, so here's something that drives me kind of a little bit crazy sometimes is like, I crochet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why do people think I'm knitting? I think genuinely a lot of people don't know the difference. But I had the same because someone wrote in an article about you something about the way you moved your knitting needles. And I was like, there's only one needle. It's crocheting. Okay. Okay, y'all. So so pro tip, okay. Knitting uses two needles. Okay. Okay. Crocheting uses one needle. Only one. Mm -hmm. 
Just an FYI, if you're ever wondering what the difference is, there you go. Yes. And there's on the crochet. <laughs> I'll be so nerdy right now. There's the hook. Uh-huh. And the knitting needles are just like sharp at the end. Uh-huh. I mean, there can be, you can have the circle. It doesn't matter. The point is, there's a difference. <laughs> there is a difference. Ha! I'm working <laughs> on a blanket. It's my second blanket. I don't know what I'm making yet. Okay, well, you'll figure it out eventually. Angela says, yes, people calling crochet knitting drives me bonkers. I crochet. Mm. Yes! Okay. Yes. I'll just have my, the, the quilting is gone and you can just have a full great view. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Are we using the same pattern? That's a negative? Negative, Ghost Rider, negative. No, I am I'm doing a like a, a bigger yarn blanket stitch that I learned that's just like three. You just skip three. Mm -hmm. Which is makes it nice so it's not like, you know, super tight and thick for a, a blanket. Like it has some breathing, but it's still really warm because it's that big, thick yarn. Not the, okay, this is so stupid, but not the really big thick yarn, which I feel like is cheating when you have to get a giant crochet hook and the yarn is like so big. I'm like, just buy a blanket. <laughs> if you could use your arm to like um, crochet it, yes. you're cheating. You're which cheating. is rude because, you know, people need to learn. Why so are we being so judgmental? I don't know. We're you know, being it's judgmental. We're, it's because we're stitching and bitching. And we're just oh, my God. Let me tell you what. If there's one more account of, like, an ex-plain man in the inboxes of ex-plain women with inappropriate messages, have you encountered that? Um, It's not usually... Uh, explain men for me but yes i have encountered um i've encountered some weird predatory stuff in my inbox well i mean y'all nobody wants to see i think my, the worst ones is always for me is like when they send inappropriate pictures yeah and and like for me i just block those people yes. like immediately but yes. some people, like, when they first get out, like, they may not know that they're allowed to, or they may not feel like they're able to. So, like, I'm here to tell you, y'all, y'all, if you get that in your inbox, block them. Yes. Block them. You yes, don't even yes. have to say hi to them. You yes. don't have to say yes, no. You don't have to say anything to That's them. That's right. Block them. If they send you an inappropriate message, block them. Yes. And That's my, my general... story. My general policy, so if it's if it's inappropriate sexual stuff, just no and I'm done. If someone like lashes out at me a little bit, um, especially if they're like also survivors or they're, you know, they're in the same kind of work, they're advocates, they're struggling. I usually give people like one lash out at me. And not if it's like horrible, like I, you know, I kind of draw my boundaries on they're cursing me out, calling me horrible names. No. But if it's like, hey, you shouldn't be doing this, then I give someone like a, okay, I hear, you know, we all lash out. We're all sensitive about stuff. We all come from like really hard background experiences. Sure. And then if they don't 
if after I'm like kind and supportive to them, if they don't respond, start responding in more kind and supportive, even playing field ways back, then I'm like, okay, well, I tried to be nice to you. And, you know, like, we're just going to disagree. Thank you. It's important to have boundaries. It really is. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that many people did not learn is having boundaries but you know i'm just sitting here stitching and bitching about shit so what do i know well and a lot of people think boundaries are controlling other people's behaviors right so like you don't do this and you don't get to do this and in reality the boundary is like what will i tolerate and what will i do if someone does the thing i don't want so it's like if someone gets in my inbox it's not you have to stop that it's like i won't tolerate this so i either tell you now or block you or what like the boundary is what i get to do your pup's got words to say about He's that like, i have boundaries <laughs> he said hey hey respect my boundaries he said my boundary is if you keep trying to not pay attention to me i'm going to demand attention okay he got himself a chew toy i've taught him i've tried to teach him when he feels stressed out to get a toy and chew on it. <laughs> so he's gotten pretty good at it. He just grabbed a toy, picked it up, and brought it up. Oh, that's good amazing. Because <laughs> yes. dogs have big feelings too. And just like us, they need to learn how to manage their big feelings. Otherwise, <laughs> they come out sideways at people. Uh, that, yeah. okay, do you want to get into Dr. Harder at all? Because that's one of my biggest things with her and the report that we just wrote. And just a quick background. Dr. Harder has positioned herself as an expert in Amish and plain cultures. She does not come from those backgrounds. And the information that she gets about those backgrounds is uh, from Amish leaders and plain leaders and not from survivors or people who experience the most harm in those contexts and so that's my thing about her is that she is indirect and her feel her her stuff comes out sideways at people like that's who i thought about this time when i read direct people are safe people was dr harder is not a safe person she was completely she didn't answer any of your questions directly she you know she didn't take any direct responsibility she talks sideways and her truth comes out sideways. This is true. Going back to boundaries. Um, yes. One of our one of our listeners says boundaries are tough to learn after coming out of religion. Coming from an environment that only recognizes people as property is so toxic. That is absolutely correct. Yes. Going back to um, thank you for sharing that, by the way. Um, going back to Dr. Harder. Well, okay. I feel as if Dr. Harder has legitimized the very agencies, the very leaders, the very voices that yeah. sat there and crucified me. They drug my name through the mud. They harassed me. They, they did all of these things. And, you know, along comes Dr. Harder 
like 15 years later or yes. however many years later because it was I believe like my case happened in like 2004 she published that book in like 2019 right um and then um she she listens to only the people in the culture that are in positions of power so it's a very imbalanced view there is a lack of balance. There's a lack of even authenticity in what she is putting out. And she's tailoring, in my opinion, she's tailoring her message to whatever audience she has. Rather than giving legitimacy and agency and personhood and treating people like human beings. Yes. When she was confronted, she isolated one person as being the only person that has a problem, even though the open letter was signed by 19 other people. Yes. She isolates one person. And what's even more atrocious to me is that some of the signers of that open letter are currently Amish people. They're yeah. currently plain people. And they very bravely, yeah, because they have read some of the teachings because they have read some of the things that she's recommending. They very bravely signed this letter before it was sent to her. And so where is she even acknowledging them? Where is she giving them any form of personhood? After she approached them on social media, which she also, I feel like, lies about in the email. Yeah. Because she says, she says she doesn't do this on social media. Well, and I went back and looked, and I can't see the the um, comment anymore. But yeah. I have screenshots of what she said. Yeah. Just just so you know, if you require the proof, I have screenshots of what she said, and she's offering to now inadvertently research the very people. But in the same token, when confronted, she now suddenly decides she's no longer interested in it. And oh, by the way, you know. I'm a social worker. We're trained to learn all about these things. Okay. You may be a trained social worker, but that doesn't mean, you know, Jack about Amish culture. No. And I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't being a social worker. She said something like social workers are trained to work with anyone, even people very differently from them. Okay. Maybe social workers receive a very basic training in school about working across difference, but Social workers don't receive specialized training in every culture they might come across. It's actually, I mean, it's one of my bit, whole big soapboxes about advocacy too, is that I argue for the kind of advocacy that you and I do, where we're like very specifically trained in certain populations. And so we can respond to like, I can respond really well in specific institutional Christian contexts. You have like really intense expertise in Amish and plain contexts, when in general, advocacy and social work too are geographic. May I just interject as well? Yeah. For all those people that are listening, I'm not just saying I'm an advocate or anything like that. <laughs> like, like, for example, I actually have like trauma training that I've done. I have um, other types of training that I've done for like crisis. I have life coach training. And typically, I don't even refer to myself as an advocate. I refer to myself as a researcher and a life coach. Thank you. 
Yes. No, that very helpful. But I, you know, I, I advocate for expertise over, you know, geographic nearness, like the closest advocate or uh, support person to a survivor might not be the person who can help them the most. Right. And for Dr. Harder to say, you know, I could help anyone. Well, no, you, you couldn't. <laughs> and it's disingenuous to say that. And, and like you said, I think what I find really insidious about her is that she bends truth, right? She's that indirect kind of like you made some very, you made some very direct statements. You said in the open letter and you've said again here, she legitimizes internal Amish and plain systems for responding to abuse. And those systems are everything from the conservative, what are they called? Crisis intervention team. Yes. To those awful books, which I want to say here. Someone in, someone in an article referred to this it as this one. This yes. one. This someone one. An article referred to that as like an old thing you had found. No, they still use that. Right? No, they're still selling yeah. this. You can that still write present. Pathway Publishers and for $8 plus shipping and handling, get a set of these booklets. There's more, there's a whole set of them. Yes. So like she recommends those books, which are super victim blaming, super awful. Uh, she recommends the the crisis intervention teams. She recommends facilities that are unlicensed. Like she legitimizes all of those things. They're in the recommendations of our books. She talks about them in a training. I, you know, I found the handout from one of her trainings online. Um, and it goes point by point and it says refer Amish people to internal systems. Um, and then in her letter to you, she uses this tricky language of like, I never told anyone to turn over everything to these systems. And I was like, well. No, she legitimizes <laughs> that. Right. Like, By her taking her credentials, her yeah. taking her credentials. Also, by the way, I work in a medical facility for my day job that pays the bills, right? So, yes. like, I actually work for doctors and I have friends that are social workers. So, like, they're horrified yes. that there is a, a social work professor who yes. is teaching social work students yes. and they, they, they promote this. And horrified. by the way, and awesome. not only that, a professional at my job literally took these booklets and could not even get halfway through this one in a yes. month and a half. It was so bad for them. Yeah, it's horrifying. It's hor like these aren't like, oh, it's bad advice. They are rape culture. They are sexual abuse uh, enabling. Like they use sexually abuse enabling language ideas culture but you know i know nothing because i don't have letters behind my name that mean anything to her so you know i'm supposed to sit down like i literally felt like she was doing the the amish ministries equivalent of like you need to go sit down yeah you're just being a rabble rouser you know yes. nothing of that which you speak okay you're you're using incredibly like, deceptive like, language yes and, and condescending and, first she offers to study you and it's like no this is a colleague that you need to learn from not someone who should like 
before you can even think about interviewing plain and Amish survivors, you need to learn how from these people who are telling you you don't know how. Stop offering to study them. So number one, stop putting yourself here. When they are telling you we're the experts and you're like here, way down here. All you see is exactly what they want you to see. I've been telling you all this for a long time. I've been telling people this for a long, long time. You don't see what they don't want you to see. The other thing is, is I honestly felt like I was about to be brought up in church to confess on my knees. So there's that. I don't think I do so well on my knees. I'm getting a little older. It's not my favorite. joints as well. So it's, it's not my favorite. Um, I think, and I don't know how many sort of liberal Mennonites you've dealt with. And I'll just classify as liberal Mennonites anyone who's not like plain or old order or conservative right so mcusa like there are more conservative mca people and more liberal but i would classify them all as comparatively liberal so i don't know how many liberal mennonites you've dealt with but i feel like the difference i feel like the general messaging the vibes the like control systems are extremely similar between my context and yours but in your context you all say the quiet part out loud and and like liberal Mennonites are like incredible at saying the same awful things, but like, you know, with plausible deniability and like deceptively and in ways that they could later say like, no, 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 no. That's not it. Oh, that's, oh, that's not at all what I meant. I'm so sorry. You took it that way, right? Like they're just. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Lo, stop common pause. Let's, we, we have to, this is a big, big pet peeve of mine. I'm so sorry. You took it that way. Yes. That is not an apology. No. If somebody says that to you, that is abuser language. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Continue. Sorry. No, exactly. <laughs> exact. And it's exactly that. It's that. That phrase, I feel like, represents the whole vibe, which is, I'm sorry, not because I have anything to take accountability for, not, be, you know, I'm sorry that you're such a problem. Um, and then if you said, I don't, wow, you really made me feel like a problem. Oh, oh, no, that was not my intent at all. Oh, no, I would no. never do that to you. <laughs> Right. I'm here for you. You know, I was trained to do all of these things and I'm here for you. I'm so here for you. My, my best example is, and this man, um, it comes from my ex Amish context. Irvin Stutzman was the executive director of MCUSA. And I started a, I I co-founded with my brother, a like movement for queer inclusion in the Mennonite church. And I wrote a little op-ed that was, I don't know, I think it was the Beatitudes or something, you know, like all the beautiful things that were present in my queer relationship. Uh And it was like, you know, I love my partner. It was just going through a day with my partner and about how we supported each other. And I used all these little references to scripture. And at the very beginning of it, I, like there was a typo in how I typed out the verses like I put a a colon where there should have been a dash or something whatever it was a typo so Irvin Stutzman responds to this opinion piece that I wrote about my queer relationship 
and it was very vulnerable. Like, you know, Mennonites don't love queer folks. And I was still deeply invested at the time in the context. And so I felt just really like exposed and vulnerable. And like, I shared something really personal and he wrote to me and said, that was a really interesting way to type the scripture reference. I've never seen it like that before. I don't, I'm not quite sure what you meant. I, I think you might've meant this. And I was just like, oh, Lordy. Gutted. Because it was like, oh, okay. So the content, nothing in the content of this is worth, but you just need to imply that I'm bad at the Bible and I'm stupid at verses and I don't, you know, and, but it's like, he, I, if I said that, of course he'd be like, oh, 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 oh no. Oh no. no. I'm sorry. You understood that. I was that just is not. I just hadn't seen that before. I just wanted you to know. And it's so insidious. Like, whereas I don't know in your experience, if an Amish person would have just been like, you don't know the Bible, you're a girl and you're stupid. <laughs> I mean, believe it or not. Um, um, well, that actually did happen. It <laughs> wasn't quite like that. <laughs> yeah. It was more like interesting. You don't no, it was interesting. more like, well, you know, I think you're reading the Bible too much. Oh, no, not too much. Oh, yes. You know, and here's a fun fact for you, right? So you're reading the Bible too much was one response. Another thing was, is not only are you reading the Bible too much, well, you know, the woman is the weaker vessel and they can't read and comprehend the Bible correctly. You were just misunderstanding. You got too big for well, your business. I just, I just don't know. Um, I, I just had too many questions, okay? I had too many questions, okay? Submit yourself to the Lord, okay? You just have to have faith in the leadership. The bishop knows the Bible and the ministry knows the Bible. And That's they right. were all appointed by God. And they would never, ever misuse the Bible. Oh, you no. can't question them because, you know, they were appointed by God and they are the vessel of God. And so they speak when they preach and when they speak, you know, their words are the word of God. Amen, Sister Mary. <laughs> Oh Lord, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> That's and the and the leather dike behind me says amen. <laughs> okay then. Excuse my language. Uh, um, why are you excusing your language? I don't know. I suddenly was like, um, do I need to contextualize? <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty sure the listeners to this are all pretty much like some form of religious background and so as such most of them will Wonderful. get it i think and, i mean that's the actually if we want to talk about um direct language and graphic language and you know really direct concepts you were saying that dr harder like changes her messaging right and she would say like oh i you know you have to work with these systems and you have to meet people where they are and all of this flowery language that's really hiding saying we can't talk directly to Amish and plain people about sex and sexualities, about bodies and autonomy, about who's touching who, who should be touching who, you know, who, 
who has the healthy, right to healthy touch, healthy touch, unhealthy touch. touch. What is abusive? What is considered crimes? What is what are criminal acts? Criminal but in act. doing so, but in doing so, she's actually dehumanizing yes. them, in my opinion. And I say this because it is dehumanizing to be treated as an object in the zoo. That is how she talks about yes. us. That is how she like I have heard some of the things she says about us she romanticizes us and then like very very carefully it it it's like she's looking at us like animals in the zoo i'm telling you this amish people amish people are human beings they are complex human beings the same as any other group of people out there so if you think amish people are stupid you need to sit down sit down and be quiet and have a conversation with amish people about things and actually get to know people and instead of going out and talking for them when you say like the simple and romantic thing is a brand too so she's Uh like accepting this like Amish propaganda that like we're just sweet simple people who uh, plow the fields and bake the pies like that's a tourism brand uh-huh. uh huh and it gives her prestige and it elevates her yeah it elevates her and she makes money off of it she makes oh my god like she makes I can't think about the money look like I I maybe I should have taken blood pressure meds before I did this. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if you Woo. know, but she's, well, you know this because we put out the report, but she's giving another training on like the 9th and 10th or something like that. After she said to you that she was not seeking them out anymore. And that's uh-huh. another, like, that's the tricky language. And I don't mean to harp on these little details, but I no, think that's, but it's, it's the death by a thousand paper cuts. Like you very directly, well, first of all, she could have avoided all of this by when she was first approached by some Amish and plain advocates and they said, Hey, we're concerned with your partnership with this man. She could have said, tell me more. Right. Like that. What's she could have said, what's going on. Yeah. What's concerning to you. She could have had all these other responses, but you know what? We should maybe go talk to the deacon about it. Cause I bet you they'll preach about it on Sunday in church. <laughs> And so she she chose this partnership over listening to survivors and advocates. And then when you, you know, more people came together and said, hey, we're more concerned. Hey, we're more concerned. And, you know, kept coming and saying like, hey, we're raising the level of concern we're bringing to you because you're raising the level of damage you're doing. And her response, like you made very direct asks, please stop saying you're an expert. Please stop training people. Please stop partnering with these folks. Please stop writing about it. Please stop doing, you know, speaking engagements and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, presentations. Yeah. And, and, and just stop these partnerships. Just walk away from this work, please. You're doing damage. And instead of saying, yes, okay, she sort of said to you, oh, I'm not doing any of the things you're saying I am while continuing to do to them which is just and another lie so harmful and damaging like when we talk about gaslighting it can sometimes be hard to understand what gaslighting is i feel like this is the clearest example you said please stop doing these things and she said oh i'm not really and i won't really be doing them you're misunderstanding 
and she is actively still doing them. She just gave a presentation yesterday, the day before she's about to give another one in a week or whatever. She, she may, she might pick back up her Amish research. She, you know, she still has things in progress and she hasn't apologized or rescinded any of her teachings, you know, and said, Hey, I got it wrong. Which and it's awesome. never too late to do that. I think we we're, we're afraid that if we admit we did something wrong, that will it, you know, will undermine everything we did. I think if she would admit she did something wrong, I would see her as having so much integrity. Right. I would have so much more respect for her. I'm sorry. I think I talked over something you wanted to say. Oh, no. I was just saying, like, I would have so much more respect for her. Yeah. Like, to me, the more you gaslight, and here's another thing, like, I was talking about this earlier. What do we mean when we say isolation? So, for here's an example of isolation is there were 20 people that signed that letter. I just happened to be the one that emailed it to her from the Misfit Amish's email. Right. And when 20 people signed that letter and sent it to her and she responds to one person. Right. That is alienation and isolation. Yes. Above all, beyond all belief. It is terrible. And they, yeah. Yeah. Well, and did she, the gaslighting in religion is, I'm sorry, I'm reading the comment. The gaslighting in religion is so horrendous. I thought it was normal. I don't tolerate that bullshit anymore. Yeah. Amen. Hell yeah. You're in the right place. Woo. It is so normal. <laughs> it's so normal. Like one of the things that we put at the very end of our report when we were, you know, trying to give people something they could do if they wanted to, to, to take responsibility was we said like, take a rest because when you're extricating yourself from a, a high control group, from religion, from these contexts that are like constant gaslighting, it's really hard to start to pick apart like what's reality, what was a message that I learned, you know, that's not real and doesn't have to apply to me anymore. Yeah. And it can, it can take so, I feel like I'm still doing it, you know? I've been out for 18 years and I'm still picking apart some messages. Right. Seriously. Like, like, okay, so this is a good one that I always think is funny. Okay. Ready. So I frequently conduct trainings and my, you know, job that pays the bills, keeps yeah. a roof over my head. Oh, and gives me coffee, guys. This is how I afford my coffee. Is coffee is important? It is very, very important, and sometimes it buys me wine too. Um, but I frequently like may conduct trainings, and what'll happen? Like one day, a couple years ago, I literally realized that I'm conducting a training, and as soon as a man speaks, I wait. I wait for the man to say everything, and then I wait for a man to respond. Why do you think that is? Oof, that's patriarchal cult stuff right there. The authorities uh, have to speak, right? But yes, because the authorities have to speak. So I've consciously worked to not conduct myself in that matter because like when I'm teaching or training, I'm actually doing something that I am 
like I've had specialized training in that they don't know the way that I know. Like yes. I'm considered the expert, the subject matter expert in that subject. So it's okay. It's fine and dandy for them to ask me questions and I'm allowed to answer those questions. Right. Yeah. But that stuff is encoded like so deeply. The one I'm working on right now is, um, I have, and it could be in work, in a friendship, in a relationship, in a, a group I volunteer with, and you know, in anything. I stay in situations that are just not good for me. Like it doesn't have to be violent or abusive or whatever. It can just be like not the right fit for me mm-hmm. for so like until I have tried every single thing to make it work. Um, and I think that's like from the deep messaging that the reason, you know, Mennonite culture wasn't working for me because was because something was wrong with me. And if I just fixed one more thing, they'd love me and I belong. And if I just fixed one more thing, they'd love me and I belong. And you know what, now that you fixed that, if you just fixed one more thing. And so, you know, I just spent my whole childhood and I know not everyone loves Brene Brown, but she calls it hustling for worthiness. And I feel like that really, like that phrase just sits with me. Like I hustle for worthiness. I always like posit, you know, that I'm the one who's doing something wrong. And if I try harder, the thing will work and be better. And it's so hard. It's every time I leave a little bit sooner and I recognize it a little bit more, but it's so hard for me to leave any context if I haven't tried every single thing or if they haven't done something horrendous to me like if it's just okay but there could be something more joyful and better for me out there I I stay until so Jay yeah have you ever met people who um you know maybe they weren't exactly your kind of vibe and you kind of felt like obligated to hang out with them oh yeah and when they ask you, you're unable to say no? <laughs> yeah. Oh, darn. Darn. Oh, I-, I shouldn't be asking those questions. Well, I am asking that because I think that uh, sometimes when we've spent so much of our time learning to be um, worthy, when we were taught that love isn't necessarily acceptance and respect and kindness and compassion like empathy we we weren't necessarily even if the words may have been given to us that love is all of these things we were not necessarily shown that so when we were we were shown that love is shunning people and love is excommunicating people and love is admonishing people and love is picking people apart and having moving <sighs> goalposts. Ooh. Yeah. So so sometimes I think that what happens there is that we end up having to spend a significant amount of time trying to figure out that we really are worthy of being around people that don't crush our spirit. And yeah. some people just aren't for each other and that's right. okay. Right. It's it's absolutely okay. Like I've met people who like there's just something off and I'm just like nope, I'm good. Yeah. 
I'm good. Bye. Like, it was great meeting you, but bye. But then there's people that I meet and I'm just like, oh my God, I love your energy. I love the way we interact. Like, you know, I'm autistic. I'm a little bit weird. I'm a little bit socially awkward. Um, like, those are, you know, I don't know. I always feel like the Misfit Amish is kind of like a collective group of like the misfits, the people who don't quite fit in. Yes. And a lot of us strive to really build connections that work for us and for the people that we're connecting with. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. Yes. Yes. So we've, we've got a few more minutes left, but let's read this comment. So yeah. Somebody says, picking apart the messages just was taught in my very conservative Baptist church. I have a great therapist who is helping me process this crap. Good for you. I yes. mean, honestly, here's I another thing. Too. I have a great <laughs> therapist, too. <laughs> I mean, and I've had many different therapists. I've had some not so great therapists. Yeah, me too. Have you ever had the therapist who kind of like, wanted to delve deep into your trauma as if oh you God, were yeah. like an animal in the zoo yeah i i'm gonna tell seymour i'm telling a funny story i need you to chill come here baby <laughs> <laughs> um i oh they're sounding stern <laughs> time to chill Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um my my maybe like Worst one was, you know how like, well, I don't know if this happens to you, but I know that I sort of swing back and forth between like, you know, really barely anything happened to me and I'm fine. And like, I'm the <laughs> most traumatized person in the world who the, you know, like the most awful things have happened or whatever. So I go to uh, a first session with a therapist and, you know, you have to be like, all right, so I've been through this and this and this and this, and here's my stuff, and here's about where I am, and here are the things I've done. So I tell her, you know, like, the kinds of violence I've experienced, the, um, you know, I tell her my little history, and she just, like, had a little clipboard and was taking notes, and her eyes were, like, so big. She was, like, and just looked really, like, oh, my gosh this is the craziest all I could think sitting there was like do you only have like celebrity clients whose problems are like <laughs> my money is really stressing me she out got, <laughs> she got people with first world problems I don't think the violence I experienced is a first world problem okay. um, dude like I think like the craziest therapist experience I don't know which one is the craziest but one of the craziest ones I would say is legitimately the one who um, I wore a sleeveless shirt to go to the initial consult. Uh-oh. And um, <laughs> <That means. laughs> well, so what many people don't realize and don't know is that, you know, primarily all throughout my body, I have lots of scars from being abused. Yeah. Okay. So um, I go to this therapist and um, I'm wearing this sleeveless shirt. And at the end of it, she says, well, I'm not going to be able to see you unless you admit to self-harming. Oh, my gosh. And I'm here to tell you, like, y'all, like, seriously, 
seriously, seriously, none of the scars were from self-harming. My well, self-harming came from a different form. That is not how I tried to. Anyways, yeah, whatever, whatever. But that was one of the, the most traumatizing experiences. And it took me a long time yeah. to, to like get back the, the, the ability to even say, okay, I'm ready to go back to therapy. Yeah. Because, yeah. So, yeah, you don't tell someone what their experience and reality is. When you're a therapist, maybe she went to Dr. Harder's school. Of <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, and then the other one is, is like people who like treat me like they think I made it all up. Oh, my God. And I'm just like. What, just because it's too horrifying for people to believe? Like, welcome to the world that we see every single day. You don't know what I see when I close my eyes. You don't know what it's like. You don't know. You don't know what I see when I'm asleep. You don't know. You have no idea. So so don't sit here like what you're doing there is no. Just no. So it's important like for anybody who wants a therapist, who wants to go to therapy is find a therapist that you feel like you can process trauma with. Yeah. That's what you need. And don't be put off by our stories. We were telling our worst stories. I have a great therapist now. <laughs> oh, I have an amazing therapist. So nowadays, I actually made a video about how I find a therapist. And one of the things that I do is I interview my therapist. You can go find that video on the YouTube channel or Love the audio, that. whatever. Um, but one of the things that like is so great about my therapist now is so I, I walk in and I have a list of like five questions that are really important to me because I'm like, first off, like, if you're just going to sit there and tell me to pray about it, we're not going to be able to work. No. Together. Yeah. Um, if you're a praying person, even your therapist should still not be telling you to pray, just to pray about it as a solution. Oh, gosh. No. Like, just sure you can pray about it yes. if that brings you comfort but your therapist is not in a position to tell you to pray about it they need to be helping you find other ways also to navigate the trauma to be able to live your life to the fullest extent Whew. I think one of the biggest disservices that we do sort of nationally regarding mental health and religion is seeing Christianity as neutral and like as not automatically affecting mental health. Like I'm not saying I'm not here to say all Christianity is bad, all you know, all Christianity mm -hmm. is destructive to mental health. But I am here to say that there is a spectrum that goes from like full high control group uh, that is like really toxic and abusive and violent all the way to, you know, with, with some stops in between of like pretty toxic and violent, pretty oh. shamey, pretty, you know, into more neutral ground. And mm -hmm. I, for, for me or for, I think anyone who has been 
who's who's been okay i'm just gonna be frank who's been mind fucked by religion right for whom like religion has embedded some deep shame embedded the idea of original sin embedded the idea of of you know a sexuality that is is bad and wrong um has any purity culture has any like any of those things um need to be examined in in therapy like we need to see them as damaging to mental health and so that agrees yeah seymour is passionate about christianity some forms of christianity being bad for myself (laughs) (laughs) they've got a lot of words to say yeah seymour's like no one should have to be told to pray in therapy especially if christianity damaged you (laughs) yes 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 that's exactly what your pups say it can be one of our commenters it can be difficult to recognize a bad therapist when you find one i keep thinking but this person is a professional they know better than i do yeah we're not taught to question authority are we and then they said I think it's the appeal to authority mindset and gaslighting that contributes to it. Well, you know, it's, is it really, think about it, you know, sometimes you have like people who are, um, there are people who are literally thinking that, you know, the only reason that a, a father would rape his children is legitimately because his wife didn't have enough sex with him. And there are therapists, believe it or not, so-called counselors, who may be prescribed to that at times. So it feels familiar for them to have that kind of therapist sometimes. Ooh. Yep, my first, well, when I was in, in college and the, my, my Mennonite college, I should, now that I say that out loud, I hear it. My Mennonite college referred me to my to a therapist, and Seymour is very oh, angry about it. <laughs> that therapist. <laughs> Maybe he needs to be on camera. Feeling? He has some big feeling. Are you having big feelings? Come here, baby. Yeah. Um. That therapist told me like some really specific in our first or second session, some really specific things about, well, men are like this and women are like this. And, you know, it's just that like I've never really met a young man who was like this or a woman who was like this. And I just remember sitting there and thinking like, what is happening in my, th- in this, th- right? Like, and I just said, I don't, I don't think so. Like it wasn't. Seymour's mad about it. I was still deeply involved in the Mennonite church and I was still, but I just, some of that stuff never stuck with, like never sunk in with me, which is why I didn't fit in right. Uh, But I just was like, no, I don't, I don't think you're right there. But yeah, some some therapists really hold those same like harmful beliefs and we can (laughs) find other therapists. Yes. Yes, yes. And and I know there's like secular therapy out there. 
um, because also one of our listeners is talking about people telling them to pray is so triggering. Yes, it can be very um, triggering for many people, even if they are Christians, even if they are believers, if they have been, if they have had religion used as a tool, as a weapon against them, it can be very triggering for them. Absolutely. I also don't think people should pray for people without consent. Okay. Okay. I said what I said. Yeah. Thanks. And I think to me, the prayer solution is the same as like, go outside in the sunshine or like, try to feel happy. It's like, listen, if those things worked, I would be cured. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've prayed. I've gone in the Have sunshine. more faith. <laughs> Have more faith. I oh, <laughs> I'm going to send you thoughts and prayers. You know what? Thoughts and prayers didn't do. Never mind. I'm, I'm not going to go on that. Um, we tried thoughts and prayers for long enough. We're trying uh, new things now. Yes, yes. It's time to try new things. That's that's what it's really time to do. Um, I was going to ask you if you had any parting thoughts for listeners. I mean... Do our listeners have parting thoughts for us? I I think my biggest parting thought is just the same, like, direct people are safe people. We're not used to it in our culture. It can feel jarring at first. I think I was just born direct, and it's part of why I never quite feel like I fit in, because it's not valued in our culture very much. And it certainly wasn't valued in Mennonite cultures. But direct people are safe people because you can trust them to tell you the truth. And, you know, if you feel uneasy with with folks, if you feel like their words aren't matching their behaviors or their... Uh, Actions? Yes. Then you can... You can ask for clarity, and if you still feel that same way, like, they might not be a safe person. For you. For you, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's really important that you know, Jay, that you are worthy of acceptance and belonging and connection, whether or not you, like... Do all of those works. Like, I just got to tell you, like, whether or not you do all of those things, you're still worthy of connection and empathy and love and compassion. Okay. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) So are are you. Yes. Yes. No, I, I need, I always need to hear it. You know, I feel like there was so much of the opposite messaging in childhood that it's like, I can't hear that enough because. And it means a lot when you feel connected to people, too, because, like you know, we've had so many adverse experiences. And so I'd like to remind our, our viewers and listeners. Oh, wait, hold it. My parting thought is I'm thankful to have found people who understand and don't expect me to explain myself. Oh, good. That is beautiful and amazing. Thank you. Um. I think my parting thought is like, honestly, like you, if you're listening to this and you may feel like you're alone, but the thing is, is you're, you're really not alone. There are people out there who will be happy to treat you with compassion and empathy and love and consideration and kindness. And you deserve that. You're worthy. 
Hope everybody has a beautiful night and I'll see you all later.